Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. So welcome back to Tanya Atley, a registered psychologist and mum of two who has experience working with a range of clients in her private practice and is currently working on some online projects, including one with me, which I'm really excited about. Um, And Tanya has a special interest in healing trauma and holistic psychology, which is how I came across her, because Tanya is really passionate about how your overall health, so your physical health, um, relates to your mental health and vice versa. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you. (laughs) Good to have you on again. We've got so many topics to cover. Yes, I'm excited about (laughs) this one. Yeah, so this one was your suggestion and I actually had to go and Google to remind (laughs) myself what this term means. So today you wanted to talk about cognitive dissonance and how that relates to fitness goals or any goals in life. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what that term means or define it for us? Yeah, so look, put really simply, um, cognitive dissonance is emotional and physical discomfort that comes up for us when our thoughts beliefs and behaviors do not align or are often um, like contradictory so it's very relevant um, in everyday life to all of us Um, and look at something I learned about I think in psych 101 so you in psychology we learn about it very early on but you like you know it's a thing but you also don't think about it very often Um, so I think the the example that I remember the most when we were learning about it uh, in university was a smoker. So smokers have the, um, the thoughts or they have the information that is smoking is unhealthy, smoking is bad for you, smoking causes cancer, but then they continue to smoke. Now, for the majority of people, there is usually some sort of um, emotional or physical discomfort that arises in that space um and as we go on I'll, I'll talk to you about how we then try and resolve and manage um that but you can see that it's very relevant um to your health and fitness goals and I think the reason why this kind of came up as something I wanted to talk about is I see kind of goal setting and this kind of concept going hand in hand and I I see it as you know that kind of dissonance or that um disconnect connect yeah disconnect um between those those things like thoughts um beliefs and behaviors being something that kind of stops and is a limitation in terms of what could stop us from achieving our goals yeah okay do you mean not being realistic about what the limitations may be not necessarily i think a lot of us don't have a huge amount of awareness about that this is actually stopping us from achieving our goals so in looking at like your beliefs around your goals does that make sense so say for example (laughs) yeah yeah like weight loss um and you have particular beliefs that 
well, if I lose a certain amount of weight, then I'm going to be more attractive and I will be more worthy as a person, for example. Ah. You and I can look at that and go, well, that's probably not a great or healthy belief to have. But if that person has that belief um, and then they start, let's say they don't end up following their diet or they have, you know, a bit of a change in judgment one night and they have, I don't know, two tubs of ice cream in one night, <laughs> um, there's going to be a lot of discomfort for them that comes up because there is uh, dissonance there between, okay, well, I believe that, you know, I need to lose weight to be worthy and I just did something that's not in line with that belief. I ate unhealthy. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm on board with you now. So maybe it's more about the high expectations that we set for ourselves when we set goals too. Yeah. Um, and just touching on the um, the comment you made around um, believing that you're going to in some way be a better or a happier person or a more valuable person if you, say, reach a weight loss goal, for example, or even a weightlifting goal or um, by, based on how much you train every week, for example, um, that becomes part of your identity, doesn't it? That, mm. that last point that I said. But in terms of those beliefs and saying, well, it's probably not true because we do know a lot of instances of people who have inverted commas reached their maybe body composition goal or fitness goal and that doesn't change them as a person. But it's a really commonly held belief, I find. So it's like always working towards being this better person and striving for that. So where does that come from? can we not be happy with where we're at where's the middle ground around kind of self-acceptance but also being able to work towards a goal in a healthy way yeah and I think that that in itself is a is a big process I think you know there's certainly a lot of things that contribute to why those expectations and why those links that we make between how we look and what that means for us as a person and our identity. I think, you know, we could probably talk about that for hours, to be honest, because there'd be a lot of external factors such as like social media and, um, you know, even our like family systems, like some of the beliefs we've learned, you know, within those. Yes. Um, You know, we could certainly unpack that, um, you know, a lot more. But what I think, you know, you've highlighted something that often is a really hard balance. And even as a psychologist, I kind of have to, reflect a lot in this space of like where's that line between knowing that our health is important to us and that having health goals is not necessarily a bad thing but how do we make sure that it doesn't become the be all and end all for someone and that they're still maintaining healthy beliefs around their health I you just summarized that really really well yeah and I think we need to we need to be really vulnerable in this space. And this is where, you know, you can learn all about cognitive dissonance and, you know, you can go, well, I know when I do that, you know, I can, I can do that sometimes, you know, when I am sabotaging my diet, for example. Um, but we really have to go a bit deeper and you have to be really vulnerable and raw with yourself in knowing that and accepting that you have that capacity to maybe minimise that dissonance at times. So, that kind of leads me to the, the next part of cognitive dissonance and part of one of the questions, you know, that you raised with me prior to today 
around, well, what, you know, how can we actually overcome this dissonance? Because the dissonance itself is not an issue. It's what we actually do to try and resolve that that tends to be where we have unhealthy patterns of behaviour um, and unhealthy thought processes. So um, the brain we know is in constant, is, is constantly seeking balance or homeostasis. So um, this works the same in the mind, right? So we, we are always are trying to make sense of things around us, try and make sense of ourselves, of others, all that kind of thing. Um, and we're always like seeking stability. So when something doesn't make sense, which is this cognitive dissonance, that's where the emotional and physical discomfort comes from in that two things are not aligning. There's that disconnection that you referred to. So the brain then has ways of trying to then make sense of that and to resolve that. So there's a few different ways. And I did a post on my Instagram page um, with some of these ways. And I actually... Oh, I'm going to share that. Yeah, actually, I don't think I need a blog post. Maybe I'll write a blog post as well. But I definitely... Yeah, please do. <laughs> I definitely did a post on it um, that goes through exactly, you know, quite broadly what cognitive dissonance is. Um, and then I did, there's another post, uh, sorry, it's in the same post, it's the second page, um, about how do we actually resolve this. So one of the ways that we tend to do this is we can change our beliefs and our values or our thoughts so we can create new ones that might be more healthier. So that's often a healthy choice. Um, then we have uh, convincing ourselves that we are doing, like what we are doing and how we are acting is okay and that it doesn't matter. So that's where we kind of justify the behaviour um, yeah. and rationalise it. So that's the whole, you know, oh, it doesn't, um, oh, I, you know, it's okay that I had two tubs of ice cream because I went to the gym twice today. Yes. Um, yeah. That's an example of that. Um, or we might minimise the importance of the inconsistency altogether. So that's where we kind of downplay the actual consistency, like, oh, I don't even care or, you know, yes. it doesn't matter um you know those sorts of things and then we can change our behavior to match one of the inconsistent thoughts so we might decide that instead of eating the two tubs of ice cream we are going to not eat the two tubs of ice cream <laughs> i was just trying to think of an alternative there or we might have yeah. a healthy portion instead. We might just have one bowl yeah. of ice cream, for example. That's a good one. Because, like, you know, you see some fitness advice out there. And, I mean, I'm not – nothing in particular that I've seen and no shade on anyone, but just in general, sometimes it just doesn't match the desired outcome. Like, oh, yeah. how about instead of eating ice cream, you have carrot sticks. Now that's yeah. not really <laughs> realistic for most people. No. Um, it's no, not I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I think you know going back to like the goal setting side of things this is why I kind of like I harp on a lot about understanding your why and setting really meaningful goals and you know we did do that podcast on um, goal setting a while back yes but you really need to like go back to your values and I, I find myself constantly saying this but you know doing that values clarification stuff because if you set a goal that is not in line with your values say for example you're you're going to set a health and fitness goal and you want to be able to run a marathon for example but you actually don't really value running and or you don't really value health and fitness at that point in your life you might still value it but it might just be a priority idea. for you right so yeah. say for example you really get 
really vulnerable and raw and honest with yourself and you write down your values and you prioritize them and you realize, okay, well, my first value is my family. My second value might be my career or my job. Then it might be finances. Um, like I want financial stability and that's really important to me. And then you find that maybe your health and fitness sits at like number five or six. Yeah. So yeah. setting that goal of running a marathon then may not actually really be in line with your values at that point in time. Dissonant stuff because you're not setting goals that are actually overly meaningful for you at that point in time. If you were to reassess and reprioritize your values and you were willing to maybe shift your beliefs around your finances, um, because say, for example, you need to invest more time and money you know, with a coach or something, for example. Um, you know, yeah. that's, that's where we have to get really raw and honest with ourselves because otherwise this dissonance is going to come up a lot. Um, and in saying that, you know, another point around this, this uh, concept is the dissonance is not always super uncomfortable. It might be really mild. So what the research has shown us is that how intense that that discomfort is depends on how much choice we had in our behavior. So say, for example, you are on a flight overseas, for example, and you have no choice around what food you've been given. Um, you may not have had a lot of choice, choice around that. So say, for example, that, you know, you have a health and fitness goal um, and you're not eating, I don't know, a certain amount of carbs or something. Or you've got um, to hit your macros is a classic one. Like, oh, my God, I'm stressing because I'm going out for dinner or I'm going on a plane yeah. to hit my macros. Yeah. So, and say, for example, yeah, you get given a meal on a plane and you're on, let's say, I don't know, a really long haul flight. Um, you don't have a lot of choice in that, right? So when you're given that meal, you may still have a little bit of dis discomfort around, oh, this is not really in line with what I'm hoping to achieve right now, but I have no choice that's kind of a healthy kind of like the discomfort's not going to be that great. Um, and the other thing that impacts how intense that discomfort is, is the extent of the negative consequences of that. So if I behaved in a way that wasn't in line with, you know, my thoughts and my beliefs at that point in time, um, if it wasn't so great, then you're probably not going to have very much discomfort either. Does it make sense? Yeah, that, that makes really good sense. So do we have more discomfort than if we kind of have a sense that it's our own behaviours that are, um, you know, do it, doing, it's our own, it's in our own control to do the behaviours that are not in line with the goal. Yeah. And I think what I'm picking up from you is that, um, so maybe the person who was um, looking to run a marathon might have had external influences on that goal that, and so as you mentioned, they don't really relate to their personal values, but they may have seen a friend who did marathon training or ran a marathon. And so they go, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that because I really admire that person when really our person might be better off starting with a five kilometer goal. Yeah. So bringing yeah. the goal down to match the values or, yeah. or, or the amount of mental energy and time and commitment that you can contribute once you've done that values yeah. um, exercise and you really yeah. realize where it sits. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of, where our goal setting should be sitting so it should sit al alongside our values 
and your priority values because then if you do that work to start off with you're you're not really going to go wrong in setting meaningful goals you know um and values, yeah like and values aren't always those big ones like finances and things it could be honesty or integrity might be one yes. of the top values so you might write some goals on okay how am I going to you know live 2020 or I would not advise doing yearly goals I would certainly advise doing a bit shorter but for the yeah. month of January let's say how am I going to or what am I going to do um to live my life in line with my priority value this month and it might be that you're going to have more honest conversations or it might be that you're going to bring up um, an issue that you have in your friendship, um, those sorts of things. So it doesn't have to just be those big things that we tend to draw draw ourselves to, like our values of family, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a fairly, um, it's a fairly generalised one and mm. I'm really looking forward to doing some of this work um, with you and my clients because I think, it's really going to help the process a lot more. And I know that in the past um, I've been guilty as a trainer, you know, when I was less experienced and hadn't worked with as many people and done as much um, study, reflection, reading, um, practice, is that we can fall into the trap of getting frustrated with people and when they don't live up to their stated goal, yeah. Or you you give them the the tasks that you want them to do to reach their goals. So they come to you and say, I want you to help help me with this. Okay, this is what you need to do. And then every week or every day you're getting um feedback that they're they're not achieving what you've asked them to do. And you know as a coach, end of the day, they have to somehow be able to do this. Mm. Um, so is it a matter of then going back and um looking at the values then? Yeah. Yeah, their va- yeah, values and beliefs and their thought processes because <clears throat> you're likely that you're going to start seeing some of these um, ways of trying to resolve this dissonance. So you're likely to see a lot more of them minimising those inconsistencies or justifying the behaviour. Yeah. Um, and that's I- people need to get honest with themselves around, okay, I'm sabotaging this because I'm trying to justify my behaviour because I really don't like the discomfort that comes up for me when I go against my goal or whatever that might be. I'm going to use an example, and this is not just one client, but I think um, relating back to your family value, I, I had a client back who she does value family very highly and being a mum, but she also wanted to achieve a lean physique. And we had this discussion back and forth and I, I kind of, what she had told me about her diet history um, concerned me a little bit, her relationship with her body and methods that she mm. used in the past. And I said, well, look, honestly, I really don't want to do that with you again. I don't think it's going to be beneficial for you mentally or physically. Can we approach this in a different way? Um, here's what I suggest. But if she insisted, I said, look, if at the end of the day you 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 really want to be leaner like and you want to do it quickly I'll support that process because I'd rather you do it with me than someone Mm -hmm. else so went and wrote up the plan and you know checked in with her within two weeks and she was a mess in tears upset and I felt really really bad but I 
you know, we needed to then adjust the expectations. Yeah. But now based on what you're telling me, I can see, I think that her value of being a really good mum probably conflicted with the, with the um, goal of having a lean physique. Mm. Yeah, I think there's, it sounds like there's a lot to that. Yeah, um, well, there is. But in terms of, yeah. you know, on the surface level, yeah, like, yeah. a lot of meal prep to be done that's like, you know, eating in ways that your little kids are not going to eat yeah. as well. But then there's a lot of time input into that. And then it's also restriction too, because at the end of the day, to get really lean, there is an amount of restraint and or restriction involved in that process and so this is some this is a conversation that I'm very often having with women um, trying to set their real their expectations around um, the methods they're going to need to employ potentially to get a particular outcome and does that sit well with their life mm. I can see um, and I really feel for my clients at times when I can see that um sort of anguish around wanting to achieve something but also having a lot of other responsibilities yeah. in life too yeah and I think it's really hard for people to sit in that really like I keep saying that raw and vulnerable place to be able to accept that yes you know, like there's almost a sense of expert if you we, we use you see the client you were talking about the mum there's almost a sense of loss there because when you have to accept that some of those other things that you also value are more important than some of your other goals you have to let go of some of that like and I can certainly speak personally like for me certainly with parents you for mo the majority of us I would say um we value our our relationships with our kids um and their health over our own um, yeah you know, and, but I also value health and fitness, but I had to get to a place where I had to process some of the loss that came for me when I realized I couldn't necessarily go and behave in ways that I did before having kids, right? So for me, it was, you know, I would go to the gym, you know, four to five times a week. And that's just not, not achievable, right? It's just not achievable, but there's a lot of loss there. Like if I, if I thought about, if I sat in that space and I did actually after I had my son where I, I tried to get back to that routine, but it caused me even more distress not being able to do that until I actually sat back and I got really honest with myself and I thought, my kids are really important to me. You know, I still have to give them the time and it's just not realistic for me to be able to go to the gym five days a week. And I had to just let go of that. and there was a sense of loss there, whether it's like, you know, we talked about identity a little bit before and whether it's my identity was shifting or needed to shift. Um, but there is that sense of loss or whether it's, you know, loss of loss of freedom or whatever that might be. Um, and that's a hard thing, it's hard emotions to really sit in. But then after, after I kind of processed that, I was fine. I was like, okay, well, maybe I am going to um, figure out how I can still live a life in line with my values of health and fitness without needing to go to the gym five days a week yeah. you know instead it was all right I'm going to achieve my goal of spending quality time with my son 
um, and getting him, you know, outdoors by taking him for a walk every morning and talking to him about what we're seeing on our walk and connecting with him in nature, for example. Yeah, and that's that's really interesting. I didn't expect the conversation to take that turn when you describe that sense of loss. And I think women also sort of you get that sense of loss about your old body and your old identity as well. Um, yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. So and I was just reflecting while you were talking there too that um, I, I often say that one of my main values is honesty and it has been sometimes on occasion to my detriment in my life but I value really highly um, making sure that my clients understand how much work they'll need to do for a particular outcome without trying to put them off but making and and just checking in to see whether that's fits with them or if we can adapt it down as you say like let's simplify the process let's um let's reset our expectations um in some cases and sometimes that doesn't go down very well I, I recently had a conversation about um a client asking for more time with me so spending more money with me um more time commitment more one-to-one support but I was honest with them and said, look, I really, you, you don't show up for what we have now. I don't know that. Are you, are you telling me that you're going to start showing up more? I don't think you need more support. You just need to start showing up. Mm. And that didn't go down very well, but I wasn't prepared to take more money from them in yeah. knowing that more than likely I'm going to show up for the session and, and yeah. they're not. Yeah. And I, I hope that they work it out, but it's just, it comes down to, I feel better about that conversation. Yeah. If I had gone, yep, I'll give you, like, I'll package up some personal training for you and get you committed to it, knowing that they probably won't do that. Yeah. So if you had not have been honest and you had just, um, you know, done the package up and just gone with it, then you would have experienced dissonance. So you would have experienced that cognitive dissonance. And it's interesting because we also experience this discomfort that comes from that when it's others behaving in ways that aren't aligning with our thoughts, beliefs and values as well. Ah. We also get that discomfort, um, you know, and we might then also try and help that person resolve it, even if it's not causing them dissonance but it's causing us that discomfort because it doesn't align with our values and we expect it should their behavior should match our values. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'm thinking of a really common scenario for people where they might be health seeking and their um, intimate partner isn't. Yeah. Yeah. They start getting concerned about their health and they try to keep helping them and it becomes a conflict. Yep we've as always we've gone off on other tangents that all interrelate and I think that probably really relates to your value of being a holistic practitioner because you can't just look at these things in isolation so your cognitive dissonance is going to affect your goals whether you stick to them whether they align with your values have you even looked at your values um so there's all these other themes going on um that's it's just so interesting and you could just talk about it all day yeah so 
I guess the number one question I wanted to, uh, I want to round off with, if that's okay with you, is, okay, so we need a level of self-awareness so we can see it in clients and um, ourselves. Um, we can identify it. And what you're saying to me is like, there's a, I'm hearing a lot of themes around like sh that shame and vulnerability. Yeah. I always ask my nutrition coaching clients to, um, not be worried if they can't stick with the plan, like not be afraid to come to me and say, I couldn't actually stick with, you know, the behaviors or the actions that we'd agreed upon so that we can adjust it mm. because shame is so unproductive, you know, with a fitness goal or any goal. Um, and you know why that is, but there's also, I noticed when you were talking about people justifying yeah. That's what we would call excuses. And it's been really useful to me to hear you talk about that in a, it's yeah. the way the brain works. It's yeah. not, it's not the person making the excuses necessarily. I'm sure there are examples where people do, but it's actually the brain's sort of protective mechanism. Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah. So, so it's, it's literally to avoid distress and it's yeah. avoidance of shame. It's avoidance of guilt. Um, yeah. yeah so if if that's the case if we're kind of wired to do that <laughs> as a, a a way to get through everything um then how can we recognize when we're doing it I'm going to be looking out for myself yeah so I think you can, yeah you can definitely model it to to other people and I think if you understand why you're why you do these things um and, and this is why i guess talking about cognitive dissonance and talking about all this stuff that we know about the brain it kind of aims to take away some of that that shame because yes shame is definitely counterproductive i mean it's a really horrible emotion that we don't like feeling so most of us will do anything to avoid it um you know i mean i think guilt is something that can be a little bit more productive um but shame certainly is not so if we actually have this understanding of why we do things, then you can look at things a little bit more, not necessarily objectively, but you understand why it's happening. So it's less about you necessarily and more about your brain. Like it's almost externalising it. But we yeah. want to be able to use that in a way that still motivates us to change behaviour because we don't want to get then fall back into that justification kind of <clears throat> spiral. Um, and be able to sit in that and go, okay, well, this is what I, I know I really struggle to achieve my health and health goals. Um, I know that I sabotage my goals by doing yeah. X, Y, Z. And I now know why I struggle with that. So I can now look forward into the future and I can start to plan around, you know, if I include some more self-awareness and if I am a little bit more, um, mindful of what's happening in my body in it if I can pick up on when I notice this distress is coming this discomfort um if I start to recognize my thought processes are going to that place of justification I can start to implement a plan and intervene earlier so that I don't fall back down into old patterns of behavior also I think it's a case of um to me it's sounding more like um being kind to yourself as well so recognizing the behavior but removing maybe the negative emotions towards yourself about that like oh I can't believe I did that again 
Yeah. Um, so separating the the behavior from your self identity, I guess, and then you can better manage it. Yeah. Something that I also speak to my clients about in a less technical way, I suppose. So if you make a mistake, um, don't bother beating yourself up because it's only yeah. going to result in more of of the behavior that you you're wanting to change more than likely. Yeah. And that's also reinforce more negative beliefs that are driving that sabotaging behavior. And then it just leads to this cycle. Yeah. So like a good example, I'm going to get to the gym five days this week. You find that you're not able to. And so that starts to create that stress feeling in your body and and ultimately avoid it we kind of go we get to halfway through the week and we go well I haven't done it so far so I'm not going to start now I'm going to start next week fresh yeah or next year so that's that's a justification in a way and a minimizing of that discomfort yes oh yeah altering your behavior you're altering your thoughts around how much can be done yeah so that you're no longer coming up with that discomfort that comes from that disconnection so not coming up with the justification I think maybe by doing a smaller amount of that activity like maybe instead of um, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour five days a week you get to Wednesday and you haven't gone at all you might say I'm going to walk into the gym and do some squats yeah it's less than what you'd plan to do but you kind of feel better about doing hopefully and then it's going to hopefully create that momentum as well. This is just my practical thoughts. Yeah, on it. Yeah. So, and then you're not going to be making the justification. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to feel better about yourself for not having made the justification and avoided the the activity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, more you're aligning those, your behaviour with those, the thoughts and beliefs. Yeah. They're centred, you know, hopefully centred around your goals. Well, thank you so much for that, Tanya. I think that's been a really helpful talk and I'm looking forward to putting some um, stuff together on this as part of our upcoming online program, which we haven't really put out there just yet, but it's been in the works behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, In the meantime, how can people find you and find your work and a bit more about what you're about? Yeah, so you can still find me at um, on Instagram at the Raw Psychologist. Um, I'm starting to gradually get my Facebook page a little bit more um, user friendly. Oh, excellent! Uh, with some more content. Um, yeah, so it's the same. So you can find me at the Raw Psychologist on Facebook um, as well. I also have my website. So I have a few blog posts um, on there. So uh, it's www.therawpsychologist.com.au. I'll link it in the show notes. I'll link yeah. it. You can also DM me on Instagram as well. So um, great. Yeah, happy to hear from, from people. Um, certainly, a lot of my more recent posts around COVID have been very popular. Yeah, I love that your posts are always so on point with what's going on and really useful as well. Put everything really yeah. simply. Yeah. yeah. And look, that's why, you know, I love uh, coming on and doing these podcasts with you because I kind of sometimes struggle to talk about concepts in easy to understand language. Um, <laughs> and I bring the concept, uh, like I bring a lot of the psychological concepts, but I often do still struggle sometimes to apply them to different 
um, industries and situations. So I love that you're able to do that for your listeners and, you know, bring the concepts that we talk about and apply them in a way that's meaningful to the health and fitness industry. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I've been um, getting lots of great feedback on your podcast. So that's why I was keen to get another one done. And I think that people are finding them really useful to listen to. And I'll certainly be asking my members and followers um, what topics they'd like to hear about in future. So we'll talk to you again very soon. Yeah, sounds great.